Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha. And for our fortnightly catch up on the markets, I'm joined by my expert colleague, Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. Jason, welcome to you. Things have been happening on the oil markets. I know we've seen a big rally in February, but are we starting to see the market turn there? There's some early evidence that uh, markets run out of steam, Jeremy, and uh, certainly I think the rally that's really been in place since the end of November, beginning of December, is reaching a little bit of a natural conclusion. That said, we're beginning to see a little bit of uh, position trimming from uh, some of the uh, speculative position holders. The exchange is reporting that there were less long positions being taken up last week and a few short positions being taken and long positions being trimmed back. One suspects that perhaps near 20% rise in um, Brent and WTI in February would see a little bit of uh, position trimming. But I think, you know, there are still big question marks over demand, patchy demand, particularly around product. And I think it's uh, fair to say that OPEC are expected at this week's meeting, uh, Thursday, Friday this week, to uh, put some more crude back into the market, as it were. So perhaps uh, the Saudis stepping back from their unilateral action that was so supportive uh, last time around. Well, that's going to be something interesting to watch, as you say. But of course, a lot of this has been building up on the back of optimism that uh, we're moving out of the COVID phase as the vaccines start to take effect. And there's been some good news there, not necessarily always on deployment, but on the efficiency of the vaccines working. And I hope to return to more normal industrial production and demand in in America and Europe. And I guess this is affecting all the commodity markets. Uh, Are things stabling out on that or is there still a, a relatively bullish view there? I think oil could still have some to go if the market remains quite tight and we do see demand come back. I think best case is base case is how I would describe the market's uh, positioning uh, over the last few months. It's it's almost got ahead of itself. And I think uh, there is a, the old adage that says, you know, actually, as, as the reality begins to dawn and we do perhaps begin to see signs of normal demand, international air travel and domestic driving seasons in America, as that starts to return, then we might actually see sort of the hangover from the night after the day before or whatever the yeah, <laughs> the, the saying is there. I just think oil, perhaps at 75 bucks, is a done deal. That was pretty much what it was talked about before COVID, a tighter, slightly better balanced market. I think longer term, we've got to look at the impact of a complete lack of investment over the last 18 months. Oil companies really hurting. And obviously, a little bit of focus elsewhere, you know, as uh, it, oil not being the long term future for a number of uh, sort of carbon friendly reasons. Wider markets, I think gas and power particularly, are are doing their own thing at the moment. Oil has been in sort of uh, in a bubble on its own. Having said that, carbon really has been closely following oil of late. And we're just seeing carbon settle back down from the highs that we saw in the last couple of weeks. But importantly for me, we talk about carbon in trading ranges. And I think carbon for me uh, in EUA terms, the news is if it's 35 to 40 euros, there's no real story there it's break back 
down below that 35 level or will it push back above 40 as it looked uh, very set on doing in the last couple of weeks ago we seem to have sort of five euro trading ranges on the ua carbon i think the interesting thing to look there will be once the uk system is up and running what that actually means about those that have been hedging EUAs. Are they going to be looking to out liquidate their positions in long EUAs to buy UK allowances? So there could be some bearish pressure there, but ultimately I think carbon remains a, a bullish ticket. Well, that would certainly be logical, at least um, for the medium to long term, given the, the nature of the ambitions in Europe and uh, the UK specifically on decarbonisation. You'd expect that, but the trajectory by which we get there is anyone's guess, and traders will doubtless uh, do their best to uh, capitalise on that. But thinking of the UK power market specifically, have there been other sort of developments we ought to be keeping an eye out? You know, the levels of wind production, our interconnector flows holding up, or what about baseload generation, that kind of thing? Is the, is the situation looking quite sound as far as consumers are concerned? I think the, the lights stay on, Jeremy, most definitely, because we're in the downward slope into uh, summer demand levels now. Having said that, it's still March, it's getting a little bit colder. But if we look at the last two weeks, we had probably a little bit of uh, an early spring in sort of uh, weather and power terms uh, last week. And um, we saw some very, very low gas demand on the generation system last week. So really small amounts of power needed to uh, deliver power in the UK last week. We had uh, very strong imports. We had uh, very strong uh, wind and uh, increasing solar due to the sort of very sunny, sort of uh, warmish weather we had. What a difference a week makes. This week we are cooler. We are very still. No real wind has been on the system since the weekend, to the point where we've got a couple of uh, tight spots called around uh, peak demand tonight. We've got day-ahead power trading at double the European price for tomorrow. So day-ahead power has gone from sort of late 40, 50 pound a megawatt hour to 100 pound for today uh, or for tomorrow, Wednesday. I think if you drill down, you can see that we've got quite a bit of nuclear off at the moment. Haitian 2 should be back tomorrow. Hartlepool's still off until the end of the month. We've got Understudden, which is due to be decommissioned uh, later this year, has got some early maintenance, and that's due to go off. So there are some pinch points around dispatchable power, as we've discussed at, at length before, and there is no, the wind looks tight, and the auction prices, I suppose, have reflected that uh, with lower wind in Europe as well, we're having to pay a bit more to attract those imports. Well, indeed. And speaking of those imports, LNG from other parts of the world reaching the UK and European markets, are supplies holding up okay from Qatar and elsewhere? Yeah, very strong uh, LNG compared to what we saw in January, which was when the markets went really nuts. I think Qatari LNG has re emerged post-Asian price spike as a force in Europe. So we're seeing deliveries back into the UK that were just absent. And we are seeing those in, uh, arriving in Europe as well. That has helped to sort of allay the fears of the market that there might be a few American cargoes that we've been so dependent on go missing because of the impact of the, the whole Texas events as they take a little longer to re-establish normal operations. There could be a few late March cargoes that are cancelled 
So global independence is really sort of showing itself, not just in the UK power and gas markets, but uh, those global LNG that really is so important at the moment for for generating uh, heating and uh, power in the UK. Well, indeed. And uh, speaking of that Texas incident, uh, for those who hadn't necessarily been following the details, in mid-February, there was an extraordinary coincidence of uh, unusually cold weather leading to record energy demand in Texas, which is arguably the most energy-rich uh, state in the United States in renewables as well as uh, fossil fuels. But also not only big power surges, but problems with wind production, which was low because of low wind, and also with the gas system there, which wasn't sufficiently winterized i believe is the right phrase are there any broader lessons we need to learn about that from europe's perspective or is this a an extraordinary set of coincidences in a country that's not perhaps less used to extreme cold weather or at least that part of it than, than in much of europe would you say i think the lessons are there certainly in my the markets become pretty much this time last year america became a big driver in terms of uh, european gas prices whereas Henry Hub price had always traded at a much deeper discount and had sort of gone on their own merry way and hadn't really been important. But the the growing importance of uh, US uh, LNG exports, uh, not just to Asia, but also now to Europe, has really tied these markets a little bit more closely together. And that you can no longer not be interested in what's going on, not just to our east, but to our west as well. So we're a really global market in LNG. LNG is the solution to the quick fix that sees people coming out of coal and into sort of 50% cleaner in CO2 terms gas. And uh, that demand is being met by uh, global solutions, whether that's Russia, who are adamant they are going to uh, sort of add 50% to their current LNG over the next few years. Australia, that's the world's global leader. And uh, the Americans have caught up fast with their shale glut. Well, that's an, an interesting and important point on which to conclude. Thank you, Jason. We're uh, obviously getting used to being part of a much more global market for LNG, hugely important, not just for energy, but for the way in which we decarbonize power generation and accommodate intermittent renewables. So thank you for your insights in that. I hope you found that interesting. If you'd like to find out more, please do visit our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Have a look at our reports there. And we hope you're able to join us again for a podcast very soon.